0: We were singing here just a minute ago, uh, one of the, the gals in our church, she came up to, to share that she just really felt like God was impressing on her heart that there might be some of you here today that are walking through some, some hardships, you're going through a process, and the encouragement was, is that God's a work in you, and just as gold has to be purified, there's a measure of God's at work in us, we, we see in the New Testament from glory to glory, that there's a process that takes place in our lives, and so the encouragement was, go through the process and watch what happens on the other end of that. So if that's for you this morning, I just pray that God would work in your heart. You just have the confidence it's not just you on your own. God is with you in the midst of that and he's at work in your life. God's at work there. Uh, We firmly believe that God speaks to his church today. We've got booklets in your seat back called Naturally Supernatural, which talks about that. So feel free to take that home if you're new to the church and uh, take a look at how God desires to speak to us today. And, And so if that message is for you, just be encouraged. God's at work, he's a part of it, and there's glory on the other side. It really is. So Shelley and I, we, we grew up in the church, and it's been interesting for us to see some of the transformation or changes that have occurred in the church just in the last 20, 30 years. And so what I mean by that is, for example, so as someone growing up in the church, uh, one of the expectations was is you don't go to movie theaters. That was one of the things that was expected. And, and so I never went to movie theaters, and you know, we could watch movies at home, but something happened when they were in the theater, so you couldn't go there. And so I think it's, I've often thought it's funny that I now lead a church that has a movie theater front in its lobby. (laughs) That's awesome. I did not take a picture and send it to my parents. I I won't do that. But it's just interesting. And so it made me curious as I was working through this message on Jesus and religion, what other religious experiences people had growing up. So I just put a question on Facebook. I was working through the message, you know, kind of doing the the commentary research and going through different versions. And I just asked, so what kind of religious experiences have people had Holy cow, like 150 comments later, people have had some religious experiences. I thought I'd share some of those with you, some of my favorites. Uh, some funny, some not so funny, honestly. Uh, so here's one. Grew up in a church where women girls had to wear a little lace doily on top of their head. So when you came in this morning, you could have been handed a doily to, okay, here you go, you get to wear this. Um, so that was one. If you missed communion and you died, there was no guarantee you'd go to heaven. So that was the, the understanding. Um, so hopefully you took communion today as our song time. Um, <laughs> obviously that's not in the Bible. Uh, here's a not so funny one. So we were uh, told once that our son's mental problems were a result of unrepented sin in our life. That's tough. What's interesting for me with that one, like Jesus talks about that. I mean, somebody asked him, like, there, there, there's a, a man and he was born blind. He says, so who sinned, this this man or his parents? And Jesus says... Neither. It was so that God's works could be on display in His life. So it's just interesting how, how people kind of run with things. Another one. One time we ended up convincing one of our teachers we could not have homework on Wednesdays because it was a church night. <laughs> Using religion in your favor. Good for you. <laughs> uh, if you were in a movie theater and Jesus returned, He would not come in to get you. <laughs> so then they answered my question why I couldn't go. You know, my parents were afraid I wouldn't wouldn't go. Anyway. We weren't allowed to play cards growing up, but the card game Rook was okay. Uh, We weren't supposed to have TVs, but to have one to watch sports was okay. (laughs) I like it. Wow. Uh, It's not a pot luck. It's a pot blessing. Luck is not godly. I just feel like then you've not been because rarely is it a blessing. It usually is, you know, the luck of the draw, you know, whatever you're getting out of those things. Uh, my father-in-law, he was at a potluck that he had at his church, and he loves banana pudding. And so it looked like banana pudding, like wafers on it. So he takes a big scoop, puts it on his plate. He takes a bite, and it's like, ah, it's like mayonnaise. What? Is, you know, it's like that was, not, that was not a blessing. It was unlucky. It was unlucky. <laughs> uh, when I was young, my mom was told uh, that she's not a good Christian because she didn't circumcise her sons. And the old lady looked at me and said, see, that's why not, you're not going to heaven. So he had like an emoji face like, Who! You know, like <laughs> The sad thing is somebody commented on there and said, I can help you with that if you want. <laughs> like, I gotta shut down this thread. This is going bad fast. <laughs> oh my word, it's crazy. <laughs> Some of the things we've grown up with. Uh, so the message as we get into Jesus and religion. is, I wanna be careful because I think the conversation for a while there was that Jesus hates religion. And I think you have a hard time really seeing that in the New Testament. You know, Mary and Joseph, we dedicated children here this morning. Where does that come from? Mary and Joseph, 12 days later, take Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. That's in Leviticus. I mean, that's, that's really a part of religion. Mary and Joseph, they take Jesus to his first Passover when he's 12 years old in Jerusalem. We see Jesus was in the synagogue all the time, that he, he himself would go to uh, Jerusalem for festivals. So I really don't think that Jesus hates religion. I think that Jesus comes against anything that could keep us from himself, and religion can do that. That's what we have to be careful of. I think Jesus doesn't want truth to be outdone by our religious practices. I think Jesus is not okay with us following tradition and religious exercises more than relying on God's word and the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. So as we talk about Jesus and religion today, that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about the fact that living for God is not the same as fulfilling religious duty. Living for God is not the same. It's not the same as fulfilling religious duty. There's things you know, like coming to church on a Sunday morning, reading your Bible, singing songs in worship. All of those are great things in spiritual formation. So it's not that there's anything wrong with those, but we can't look at those as this is what it means to live for God. Jesus says, living for God is loving Him and loving others. That's really the best expression. So that's what we're going to do as we continue our series in Luke today. We're going to continue in Luke chapter 11, where we left off from last week. And we just want to continue this series with the heading of understanding that living for God is not the same as following religious duty. So if you have your Bibles, I hope you do. hey, I hope you do. Uh, why would we say that? Because I want you to have a Bible. I want you in God's Word. If Sunday morning is the only time you're in God's Word, man, it's going to be hard for you to really live for God. So I just encourage you, be in God's word. If you don't have a Bible at home, take one from the, the underneath the seat in front of you. You're welcome to take that home as a gift from the church. We want you reading in God's word. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 37. So I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. It just highlights the fact that we're going to read the very words of God. We've got some red letter words today. That means God is speaking. You want to hear God's audible voice? Here you go. If that's a desire of your heart, it's right in front of you. So we're going to be in verse 37 and go through the end of chapter 11. It says, While Jesus was speaking, the Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. The Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within And behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said... Woe to you, lawyers, also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed, so you are witnesses and you consent in the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation." From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary, yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. As he went away from there, the scribes and Pharisees began to press him hard and provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. If you were here last week, Pastor Zach Rainey, our family life pastor, he shared the the passage right before this one, and it kind of gives us a, a real nice bridge between what was the passage last week and the one we're heading into now. What it says in verse 33, so a couple of verses, he says, "'No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it's bad, your body is full of darkness.' Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. It's a really important verse for us. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. So we go from these verses into these verses for the Pharisees and scribes. In that verse of, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. What that is basically saying is this, is that, look, you can't have just a little bit of Jesus in your life. You need him to take fully over. That if you're simply fulfilling religious duty, oftentimes what people, religious people do is they kind of close their eyes to Jesus to say, I just can't take everything that you're saying. I can't take everything that you have. And so then what happens is you claim to know Christ, but you're actually darkness, You have just a little bit of knowledge, but you're really not living for God. All you're doing is fulfilling religious duty. But that's not God's plan for your life. God's plan for your life is to live for him and experience all that he has for your life. So where do you find yourself this morning? This morning's message really is one of self-examination. May we see, are we living for God or are we simply fulfilling religious duty and if you discern and figure out, you know what, I'm kind of just going through the motions. I'm, I'm simply fulfilling religious duty. May you change your life to say, God, I want to live for you in everything, in every way. Let me not hold back. So as we enter into our passage this morning, the first thing we find there is that living for God is not the same as fulfilling religious duty. Why? Because religious people, they look clean on the outside, but Jesus works from the inside out. Living for God is not the same. As fulfilling religious duty. So one of the ways we can know is if you're only concerned with how you look on the outside, well, you need to let Jesus work from the inside out. That's what he does. That's his method. So the the Pharisee, Jesus goes into this uh, person's house. He's going to eat dinner with them. And before we say, well, you know, why does it matter if he washes his hands or not? We've got to remember in the Middle East, your hand is your eating utensil. So that's part of the issue. So it's kind of like you going to Bruno's. You go to Bruno's, you order the Bruno's dough, you're going to share it as a table. So what's your favorite dipping sauce? How many marinara lovers out there? Marinara? There's only a couple. I'm disappointed. How many cheese? Everybody's cheese. Fine, we'll go with cheese this morning. So cheese is on the table. You dip your Bruno, your friend dips their Bruno dough, takes a bite, and then what's he do? Come on, man, put the cheese on the little plate. If you're going to double dip, do it right. (laughs) Now you can't eat the cheese. You know, it's done. He double dipped. You're game over. So the Pharisee doesn't want Jesus to be a double dipper. Clean those hands because that's your utensil. That's part of it. But really what Jesus is driving at is the Pharisees, they had ritual purity laws. So it extended. They were extra biblical. So it went beyond what was prescribed in scripture. And they were following this and saying, look, you've got to do this. This is what it looks like to live for God, that you follow ritual purity. But what did Jesus say? He says, you need to be more concerned with the condition of your heart. Where's your heart at? How are you in relation to other people? How do you treat people? That's what it looks like to live for God. You've got to examine yourself that way. So for us this morning, if we're just going through the motions, if we're showing up for church on Sunday but then we're going home and not treating our neighbors, our colleagues, our our friends and family well, That's that's not really representing God well. What that means is we're simply going through the motions and not really living for God. I mean if you show up here on Sunday and the offering bucket passes you by, I mean these these Pharisees, they tithe from their spice rack. Like who does that? That's pretty crazy. I mean, so if you showed up on a Sunday morning, like that was your dedication, like I'm going to tie out of my spice rack this morning. And then you go home and you treat your neighbors poorly. That's a problem two different ways. One is your bookkeeper is not going to know what to do with your oregano and rosemary. (laughs) Second problem is (coughs) your neighbor is going (coughs) to conclude, hold on, (coughs) Christianity is a lie. That's a problem. If we're going to live for God, it can't just be that we're following religious duty and exercise. We've got to live for God with everything that's within us, and that's best expressed by loving God and loving neighbors. It's important that we live that way. It's interesting for these these Pharisees, as we look at what Jesus is trying to bring about for them. He says, look, you're only concerned with the outside, but you need to be concerned with the inside as well, the condition of your heart. So how do we apply that to our lives? If you realize you've simply been going through the motions, begin to pray this prayer. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. God, develop the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Give me more joy. Give me more peace. Give me more patience. Give me more kindness, gentleness, self-control. Begin to pray that prayer. And watch as Jesus begins to change your heart. He can make all things new. That's the promise we have in him. So are you simply going through the motions fulfilling religious duty or are you really living for God that you want to see your life change from the inside out? Living for God is not the same as fulfilling religious duty because if you're simply wanting to be clean on the outside, Jesus' heart is to clean you from the inside out. But living for God is, is also not the same as fulfilling religious duty for other reasons because religious people, they desire accolades while Jesus models humility. Religious people, they want the praise of people but Jesus walks in humility. He models it for us. So Jesus tells the Pharisees, "Look, you're so concerned that as you go through the market that people know who you are, they call your name. You're so concerned to have the best seat in the synagogue, but that's not what it looks like to live for God." If they were to look at his life, it's still hard for me to understand God, all-powerful God, coming in the form of an infant, like we dedicated here this morning, completely helpless, totally dependent on others for all things. That's hard for me to imagine. That's humility. That's all kinds of humility. Born not in a palace, born in a manger. He was, lived in a small town for 30 years, an anonymous life. And even when he's baptized and God the Father speaks over the Son, this is my Son of whom I'm well pleased. When he goes out and ministers, he lives a very simple life. Fear desiring the praise and applaud of people, Instead of walking in humility, it might be that you're living a religious life instead of one truly centered on God himself. Living for God, it's not the same as fulfilling religious duty. As you look at what Jesus then says to the Pharisees, he really challenges them. What does he say? He said, you basically are like graves. So graves, if there's anything, and so he's again, he's addressing ritual purity. The one thing that would affect you the most is a corpse or a tomb. And so this is why, if you remember the message a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the parable of the Good Samaritan. The priest and the Levite, they passed by because they didn't want that person. They weren't sure if they were going to die. And if they died, then they'd be ritually impure. So they didn't want that. So they passed this person by. Uh, In the springtime, they would whitewash the tombs in Jerusalem to make sure that you didn't step on them. In fact, Pharisees said, even if your shadow casts on it, you're unclean. So these are the kind of rules that they're living by. And so Jesus says, look, people unaware, they're approaching you, thinking you're bringing life, but all you're bringing is death. How do you know if you're simply fulfilling religious duty, if you're going through the motions, what's the result of that kind of life? Instead of you bringing life to people, you're bringing death. Can I tell you this morning? You are not meant to bring death. You are meant to be life givers. You are meant to bring life to your neighborhoods. You are meant to bring life to your workplaces. You are meant to bring life to your family relationships. You are meant to bring life everywhere that you go. You should be light in life everywhere that you go, everywhere that you step. So that when people look at your life, their life is a mess, it's in chaos, they're so anxious, they say that person has peace and I need it. They're living without hope and so they say that person has hope, I'm hopeless and I need what they have. That's the kind of life that you should live, that when people look at you, they say, I don't know what it is that they have, but I need it in my life. Are you living as life for people? Are you living as death? One of the ways that you can tell whether you're living simply a religious life or one of in pursuit of living for God is are you concerned for other people? Do you have a godly concern for your neighbors? Do you have a godly concern for your work colleagues? you have a godly concern for the people in your sphere of influence. If you have no concern for other people, it's likely you're living a religious life. You're going through the motions and you're really not living for God. So could I push you this morning? These words are stern this morning because Jesus's words are stern to the Pharisees. And why are they stern? Because he wants them to wake up. So if that's you this morning, don't go through the motions. You are meant for so much more. You are meant to give life and bring life everywhere that you go. Living for God is not the same as fulfilling religious duty. Because more than pursuing the applause of men, you should just be consumed with the fact that you are a child of God, and you can walk in humility, confident in who you are in his name. And living for God is not the same as fulfilling religious duty. Because what we find is Jesus shifts his conversation from the Pharisees to the lawyers. The last thing we have is that religious people claim to have answers, while Jesus is the answer. Living for God, not the same as fulfilling religious duty because religious people think they have answers, but Jesus is the answer. The lawyer, he, he makes a statement. In fact, there was some chuckles. Even as you, you, you can't help it. You read that scripture and the, and the lawyer's like, Jesus, you insult us too. And Jesus is like, "You woe to you lawyers. You know, he like changes his. <laughs> so that sentence, actually when I was working through the passage, it was both funny and curious to me. It was funny because it's just like, That guy just put his neck on the chopping block, you know, (laughs) like you set yourself up. But it was curious because I don't think he thought that's what he was doing. Jesus came into the Pharisees and teachers. He was eating with them. I think this lawyer really felt like, I don't know if Jesus is aware that he's insulting us as he says these things. So I'm going to point it out to him because I know that Jesus is concerned about who I am. And then Jesus confronts him for who he is. I mention this because as I was working through that passage, I think sometimes we go through the New Testament and we can think that Jesus was just at odds. He was always fighting with the religious people. But we need to remember that Jesus had a heart for the religious people too. Jesus has a heart for the church and the unchurched. Jesus has a heart for the religious and the irreligious. Jesus loves all people and he doesn't want anything to stand in the way of your relationship with our relationship with God. So wherever you find yourself this morning, God has a heart for you. That's why this lawyer asked the question. And then Jesus, what does he say? He basically gives him a poke because he wants him to wake up. If we're not careful, we can fall asleep that we can just be going through the motions and before we know it, we're simply fulfilling religious duty and we're really not living for God. And so then we've got to ask Jesus, test my heart. Where am I at in following you, Jesus? Do I love you well? Do I love others well? Or am I simply going through the motions? We need to ask Jesus to help us in answering that question. Where do you find yourself this morning? And When people come to you with questions, may I encourage you, don't always assume to have the answer, but may I encourage you, point people to the answer. So as people approach you and and ask questions, I constantly tell people, people that serve as mentors or in leadership or in discipling others, I tell them, look, here's what I can tell you. You are not the sage on the stage. You're simply the guide on the side. You aren't the answer, but you know the one who is. So let's point people to Jesus. Let's keep helping them to find their answer in him. So when people come up and say, you know what, my marriage, I'm struggling, I'm struggling with my wife, and I'm struggling with my relationship with my husband. Could you say, well, as as I look at the life of Jesus, I read the scripture verse this morning in Mark, it says that he came to serve and not be served. So maybe try that in your marriage, See, see if that might turn things around for you. Somebody comes and asks questions saying, man, parenting, I'm really having a hard time. I'm just, my, my kids, I just don't know where to go. And, and you look at the icon from Luke. And if you're not real familiar with who Jesus is, this is why we want you in God's word. Be reading the gospel of Luke. Once you learn the character of Christ, you can start to live that out and have others uh, do the same. Jesus is both lion and lamb. So what you need to ask yourself in parenting is, which one do I need to really model right now? He He's both. Yeah, I love that C.S. Lewis quote, you know, from the Chronicles of Narnia. Is Aslan, Aslan it was, the, was Jesus, the lion, is Aslan's, is Jesus safe? Well, no, he's not safe, but he's good. How are you living as a parent? So help point people to Jesus. You, you might not have the answers, but you know the one who is. Let's live with Jesus is the answer. Living for God is not the same as fulfilling religious duty. So where do you find yourself this morning? Uh, self-examination. Are you walking after Jesus? Are you walking in humility or are you seeking the praise of people? Are you going through the motions, showing up to church on Sunday, giving in the offering, reading your Bible, but then you're not treating your neighbors well? Those kinds of things as you examine your life will help you understand where you're at. Because once you understand where you're at, then Jesus can come in and address and lead you where he wants you to go, to live the life that he's called you to. Do you claim to have the answers or are you simply pointing to the one who is the answer? Where do you find yourself today? I'm going to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And I'd like to give two invitations. I'll always give an invitation for people to make a decision to follow Jesus. Best decision you can ever make in your life. But the way I'd like to start this morning, first invitation is this. Maybe you've been going through the motions. And as we've been talking this morning, you've realized, if I'm honest with myself, that's where I've been at. I've been attending church. I've been showing up and giving in the offering. I've been reading my Bible. But... I really am not very concerned for my neighbors. I I really don't have a whole lot of concern for my work colleagues. So I really have been fulfilling religious duty. I haven't really been living for God. So I just wanna pray with you this morning if that's where you find yourself. Confession's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing because it says, man, I know I've fallen short, but God, I know that with you, I can make it work, that all things are possible. And so if that's where you find yourself this morning to say i've really been fulfilling religious duty not living for god with every head bowed in this room i just want to pray with you this morning i won't call you up to the front but i just want to pray with you i want you to be able to acknowledge before god to say you know what i know this is where i'm at but i don't want to stay there i want to live for you and experience the life that you have for me if that's you today and you'd say i want to live for god not just fulfill religious duties raise your hand i want to pray with you today several hands over here on the left anybody else and say that's me over here in the middle anybody else and say really been fulfilling religious duty not living for god in the middle anybody else god i pray for all those hands that went up here this morning i pray that you would fill them with more of yourself god i just pray that they would find you for the delight that you are may they delight in you god i just pray jesus that they would have a a love for you that originates from you pray that you'd meet them where they're at today. Pray that you'd fill them with yourself. I pray that they'd begin to live the life that you have for them. Lord, we're not called to go through the motions. We're not called to live a boring life. We're not called to to live one of mundane mediocrity, but I just, I know that we're called to live one uh, where we get to see your hand at work in our lives, through our lives, and the lives of others around us. So God, I just pray that you um, would lead people to yourself today. Give them strength, Father. As they leave from this place, may they be life and light to everyone they encounter, Jesus. May they live for you, holy God. May that light that they are be set up on a place where others can see, that others could say, man, I need what they have. They're filled with hope and joy and peace, and I need that too. Help them live like that, God. Please just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, but you know that the only way to live for God is to live with Jesus at the center of your life. So if that's where you find yourself today, and you'd say, I need to live for God, I need to make that decision, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus, but you'd say, but today is my day, today I'm going to follow Jesus. With every head bowed, I just want to ask you, if that's you this morning, to say, I need to follow Jesus. I don't want to keep living just life going through the motions. I want to live with purpose and meaning and hope for the future. And if that's you today, I just want to encourage you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you before we leave today. Anybody would say, that's me. I need hope and joy and peace, and that all comes in Jesus. Anybody here today would say, that's me. I need to follow Jesus today. I want to make that decision. I want to live for God. I want to follow you, Lord. God, I just pray for everyone in this room. I pray that you'd help us to live for you fully, completely, holding nothing back. Jesus, we ask your kingdom come. Lord, where you're not evident in our life, I pray that you'd come in and take over. Bring light where there's darkness. Bring life where there's death. God, I just pray that we would live for you for a lifetime. That life in Jesus starts now. It's not that we make a decision to follow you and that's the finish line. No, that's a starting line. And so God, I just pray that we would start with you and keep going. And experience all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. I just encourage you as we close in in song this morning. Give it all to Jesus. Spirit of the living God we're going to sing. And so I just pray that the spirit of the living God would fill you full today. That you leave from this place. You truly would be the light and life that God has called you to. Let's sing.